Amen. Merry Christmas. Was that not cool or what? You know, one of the girls asked us, do we get presents? And so I looked at the budget, and like, yeah, that would be cool. And I kind of guessed how many people might be here, and I, it just wasn't in the cards. I apologize, but we made you tamales so you would have something to unwrap. All right. Amen. So the morning started early. Uh, uh, Claudia and, uh, and, and uh, um, Ashley came in early this morning, um, shopped yesterday. They wanted to make some tamales just to have their tradition come to what we were doing here. Amen. And, and they did it bridge style. You know how, you know, like, you know, we can't just take one bike in. We have to take 50. You know what I mean? Right? Amen? So they were going to make a couple of hundred tamales. We made over 500. So, you know, we, we call that bridge style, right? So, but what's really cool to me is this morning, a couple of ER doctors, Dr. Casey Grover and Dr. Reb Close, and a clinical social worker from CHOMP joined us in the grill um, because they wanted to, to, to make some tamales. They wanted to learn how to make tamales. And you have to understand that the work that they're in, that they see people die every single day. Uh, 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 Reb actually keeps the stats for the county of all of the deaths. She has to talk to the coroner's office daily to find out how many people actually skipped the ER because they were pronounced dead already and went straight to the county coroner's office. So she collects all of that data Natividad, Salinas Valley Memorial, Chomp, uh, Me Memorial. Uh, she, she collects, Salinas PD, she collects all these stats and she keeps track of them. And, uh, and for them to come into the ER and work with some of the very people they treated clinically in the emergency room and hospitalized some of them so that they could get them into treatments, for them to come and work learning something alongside of the very people that they wondered whether or not they would survive, whether or not they would ever get into or seek treatment, let alone be successful in treatment. And so their joy coming is just so amazing. They're just like, we are so stoked to be here. And because, you know, Claudia and Christian both, they treated in the emergency room. And so for them to come and to see the light in their eyes and the life and to talk to them is like is super super exciting to them and super exciting for me too i just got to graze all day long um so it was fun um so i really believe that we are going to make a change in our community and it's going to start right here i believe that you know, we had, a, uh, we had a meeting last night of the leadership team, um, and we, we got together, and we decided that what we're doing here is important. What we're doing here matters. What we're doing here, we're trying to do well. You know, we're not trying to do it haphazardly or without thought. That's why Dorothy, I know she's downstairs with the kids, has put so much time and effort into organizing 
teams of volunteers to do child care, to do greeting, to have special things, and to make people feel special when they step onto campus, because that is our desire here at Regeneration in Calvary Monterey, is to make anybody coming in off the streets to feel important, to feel welcome, and to, to not feel like they don't belong here, because they do. You know, all of us here, we are, we are the bottom of the bottom, right? We were, right? How many people, you know, most of us have been in jail. Uh, most of us have lived in our car. Most of us have lived in somebody else's car. Some of us have lived in sold cars. We've lived in tents, on the beach, on the bike path, behind dumpsters in Chinatown. Amen? And now we're sitting here tonight with family, you know, Alex is here with his boys. You know, Shirley has family here. You know. Um, we have, we have Miss Lori here, which is great. Amen. Oh, come on, man. Now, there we go. You got you, you to love the bridges. I mean, you do. If you don't know them, I'm sorry that you don't know them because they are phenomenal people that have known me from the bad days through the so-so days. Into the, into the maybe days, into the, the current days. So it's a blessing to, to see somebody that is so caring about just people in general and really shows the love of Christ in everything that they do. So welcome everybody tonight. So last week in Romans, it was pretty cool because Paul was addressing the Jews saying that you guys have the law and you don't follow the law. And he was telling the Gentiles, you don't have the law, but you are going to be subject to the same judgment as those that do have the law. And at first read, you're like, well, that's not fair because they don't even know the rules. And I explained to you how you do. When I was little, my grandma told me that inside of my heart was a moral compass, that God would tell me what was right and what was wrong. And I would know what was right, and I would know what is wrong. Whether or not I chose to do that was up to me. Amen? Because God gave me a free will so I can decide to do good, or I could decide to do bad. Or I could just decide to be so-so. And I did both of those for a really, really long time. And it didn't, it didn't get me anywhere. Um, but what is being said in that text is, that God wrote the law on our heart, so he doesn't really need to physically give it to you. Because I know that you all know the difference between right and wrong. Nobody has to tell you. When you're out driving around and when you're out doing things and you're not being maybe such a courteous driver, you know that those gestures you made probably weren't <laughs> the smartest thing to do, right? I, I have a funny story. Michelle always... Um, gets mad if I'm on the phone. I mean, she'll be behind me and call me, and then if I, well, are you on your phone? Well, you just called me. You're behind me. You see that I'm on my phone. I always felt like she was trying to catch me, right? I felt like she was setting me up, you know, like the old bait car show on TV, you know? You know? So I, I, uh, I was talking to Michelle on the phone, and I was over by Papa Chevo's in Seaside, and I was, I, was doing, I was talking to her on speakerphone, and I was backing up, and I crashed into a car pretty hard. And I went, oh, uh -huh. shucks. <laughs> I just, she said, what, what? I said, I just totally crashed into a car. 
And I get out of the car very sheepishly, very embarrassed, very ashamed. And this lady jumps out of her car, and she was inventing four-letter words. I wish I had written them down because I've never heard some of them before. <laughs> some of them were the words you were like, you, you can't ever say that. I mean, she was stringing words together. You guys know what I'm talking about. And she was getting louder and louder, and I walked around my car, and our eyes met. She went, Pastor Mike. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Um, so my point is, you never know who you're going to run into, right? That person that you gestured to on the freeway, when they pass you again, it just might be Pastor Jeff, right? And then, and then what are you going to do? So basically what I'm trying to say, and I'm beating a dead horse, and I know that I am, is we, we know right from wrong. We know what we're supposed to do. Sometimes we just need to continue to be reminded, sometimes on a daily basis, what we need to do to stay where we're at, to stay out of trouble. So we're going to pick up in verse 14. Where is it at here? Or 17. I'm going to read through to the end, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to get as much of that covered as I can. Amen? Uh, we went a little long in worship, but I was just, I was happy. I, I, loved, I, I loved it. This has been really... I was excited when I got up this morning. We're having Christmas in July. What's that, Mike? Yeah. I am, I'm sorry. We're, in, we're only in chapter two after like 15 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. But I said I was going to go slow, did I not? Right? I said I wanted to make sure everybody understood because this is, the book of Romans is one of the most important books in the entire Bible as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Casey and I were reading in the, actually in the grill. The, I love it when a bridge guy walks up to me and lays the Bible out, reads me a passage and says, what do you think that means? And it was, it was so cool. We had a really good time just discussing some, some text that he was reading, that he was digesting, that he was learning to enjoy. And uh, feel free to do that with me anytime. Um, I, I, I sit down with some people sometimes on Sundays and they have questions. I love answering questions because I was the guy that asked questions 24-7 because I, feel like I, I felt like I had to know everything, but I, really, there's things that I don't know, and, there's, and I don't care that I don't know them, you know? but if you do, I'll find the answer if I don't know it, um, but now I'm just content knowing that everything in here is true, everything was written for a reason, if it's not in here, it wasn't supposed to be in here, and I don't want to add anything to the text, so it says, you, you yourselves who are yourself Jews are relying on God's law. And you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. He wants what is right because you have been taught his law. Amen? So basically, he's saying, you, you know what to do. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. You know the rules. How many people here have a, a, dri a valid driver? Are you not, how many people have a driver's license? Probably see, pretty much everybody. So... All of you at some point in time got that little annoying book from the DMV, and you went through it, and you're like, how many feet, you know, you know, how many feet do I turn on my blinker, and can I cross a double yellow line and go into a driveway, and where can I make, you know, we all, we learn it, we pass the driving test, but how, how many of us have that book in our car, on our smartphone, so we can check it all the time, 
We don't. We kind of learn it, and we kind of just throw it into the wind. So what, what Paul is saying is here to the Jews, you guys have the law. You know what to do. You know what you're supposed to do. You have been taught the law. It says in verse 19, you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for the people who are in darkness, and you think you can construct the, instruct the ignorant and teach children the way of God, for you are, you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge. So some people get like, I know, I know it all. Does anybody know a know-it-all? Right? I think we do. We all know somebody that thinks they know everything, you know? Michelle calls them Kias, you know? You know, they're, they know it all. They know, you, you, man, I don't need Google. I'm going to go talk to, to, to Bob, right? Because Bob knows it all. I don't, I don't need a smartphone, and I'm not talking about our, our beloved Bob Langley. I'm just saying there are people who, no matter what you say, they, they know all about it. They, in, they probably invented it. Or somebody in their family invented it. Or they, they've been there, they've done that, they've climbed the tallest peaks, they've swam to the deepest depths of the ocean, right? <laughs> Most of us know somebody like that. But what Paul is saying to them is you guys have all this knowledge because you have the law, but what are you doing with it? You know, if you guys have this knowledge right now because God's law was written on your heart, the thing that we're supposed to be doing is in love reaching out and talking to other people. You know, I know we have some of the people from Teen Challenge here that were here a while back into testimonies, and uh, they're going to be coming back again because I believe in the power of the testimony. I believe in saying, I don't have, I mean, I, I don't have a Bible education, okay? I don't. I did not graduate high school. I left high school six weeks before I graduated because I couldn't take the pressure and the stress, stress anymore because I'd been emancipated for almost half of my high school years. I was working 30 hours a week. I had to maintain my own apartment. I had to maintain a relationship with my social worker, and I had to do counseling and just all this stuff, and just out of a foster home, and, and I just I couldn't take it anymore one day, and I just left. So... I don't, I, I don't come to you with any great knowledge. And then, I, and then I ended up having a stroke and almost dying and wiping out half of my brain, um, which Michelle said I only had a half of one to start with. So that's okay. She's probably right. I mean, I fried my brain on drugs, and then I killed the other half of my brain. So, But what I'm saying is, so I didn't have any great Bible education. All I knew was that that Jesus Christ saved my life. He saved it for something better than what I was doing. So I started showing up at the church, mopping the floors, cleaning the toilets. Uh, Michelle worked here at the time. I would get here at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I would clean toilets, and I would vacuum the stairs, and I could barely walk at the time. Uh, I was supposed to be using a cane, but I liked to come here because I didn't want to use it because it embarrassed me. So I would get here at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I would clean the church, you know, clean the toilets and, and, and window seals and baseboards and change the toilet paper and the, and the seat covers and just all of that stuff, you know. And I did it because I was grateful that God saved my life, and I wanted to give back, right? But I told Michelle I will never, because I, I, I had listened to so many teachings, I said, what I don't want to do, though, is I don't want to be one of those drug addicts that almost dies 
that becomes a volunteer janitor, then, then becomes a pastor. That, because it was like a cliche, right? I was like, that is not going to be me. So what happened? I became a volunteer janitor, yeah. So. so when you ask me, do I know the truth? I know the truth. I don't have an education. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I became a firefighter paramedic, and I did that for like 18 years. Um, that was when I had the ability to go to college and to study before, before I had suffering so much brain damage. But post, um, post that, I, I, I did not have the ability. I could barely even audit a class um, because of just my cognitive ability. So all I did was I knew I had a testimony. I knew that Jesus loved me. I knew, that I, I, I knew that God gave me a whole new love for people, and I just started doing what God asked me to do. So I don't come to you with this great knowledge or this great wisdom. I just come to you with, with humility and honesty and a basic understanding of the word, and that's what I'm trying to impart on you. And so what Paul is telling these guys, you know all this stuff, you have all this knowledge, and then we get to ver- verse 21, we get to the well then, right? Right? You ever get that? Your boss is like talking to you, you know, you're doing a really good job, but, right, oh no, man, I thought I was doing a good job. It says, well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you do what? You steal, right? It's don't do as I, it's don't do as I do, do as I say, right? Isn't that like the, the that's the, what the man says that wants to rule his roost, right? You know? Don't, don't do what I do. You just do what I say. You know, I can do what I want, but you need to do what I tell you to do. And that is so funny. You, you, you don't do it, you, but you steal yourself. You say what is wrong. It is wrong to commit adultery, but you commit adultery, right? It's, it's like if you're going to tell somebody what to do or what not to do, make sure that you are not doing it, right? If you're walking through, you know, poor Home Depot, right? I mean, I used to, I used to steal from Home Depot just merciless. I mean, just ungodly amount of stuff, right? It would be like me taking to some Home Depot and just putting stuff in my pocket and say, but you know, you, ever since I became a Christian, you know, you, you shouldn't steal, you know? But what's that big old battery in your pocket, Right? <laughs> Or it takes us back to the story in the Bible. What is that, what is that log in your eye? You're going to point out the speck in mine, right? So it's, like, it's funny because he's saying, you guys, you, you pretend to have all this knowledge or you say you have all this wisdom and knowledge, but you do the very things that you tell people not to do, right? So, um, and you condemn idolatry, but you use items stolen from a pagan temple, you are proud knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scripture says Gentiles in blasphemy, blasphemy the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. Because all of the Jews, they were circumcised, right? And they, they followed the law to such, a, such an extent, they said, well, if, if you want to be a believer in Christ, you got to become a Jew, then you got to become circumcised. I think the church would look a whole lot different right, if they said, to come to church, you have to be circumcised, right? People would say, oh, no, 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 
No. But if you think about circumcision, what it, what it was, it was, it was like cutting away the flesh. It was symbolic, like cutting away of, at the heart. You know, it, it was important for a while, but we know that the law was abolished. We know that when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, we know that it says that the veil of the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The law was abolished, and all have access to Christ. Amen? And we can have Christmas in July. I mean, this would probably bother some people. It would bother those people that we call religious. Well, you can't have Christmas in July. Well, we honestly don't know for a fact that the day that commercialism chose is the day. Like, we don't know. We don't know that. I can't stand up here and say what day for sure, 100%. I don't know that anybody can. You know, I know the day or the season that we celebrate Christ's birth, right? And so symbolically, we're, we're having fun. We're not under the law. Symbolically, we're saying, hey, we're going to celebrate again this year Christ's birth, right? And we're going to fellowship. We're going to break bread or tomorrow. We're going to, we have something to unwrap, Right? If you didn't unwrap a tamale earlier, make sure you unwrap one before you leave. That way you can say, I went to Regen and they gave me something and I got to unwrap it. <laughs> Bonus is you can eat it too. Amen. You know, I mean, I mean, I stole that from Claudia. She told me that's why she always made tamales at Christmas so her kids would have something to unwrap. Right? <laughs> right? I think she was saying that she spent all the money on dope, and right? And pretty much, yeah. I mean, but that's honesty, right? We know who we were. We know that we did bad, but we know now that we can stand up here and say, what I did, somebody else can use as a roadmap for good. You know what I mean? Isn't that what it's about? You know, I am not ashamed of the things that I did, because I know that God took what was meant for evil, and he used it for good right? Don't be a victim. Don't let yourself be a victim. Don't let the enemy win another day of your life, right? I mean, I will stand up here every Monday, and I will remind you, and I will remind you, and I will remind you, and I will remind you. So, so, uh, so, but if you don't obey God's law, you are no better than an uncircumcised Gentile, and if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people, amen, right? If you don't think you're God's people, you are. You know, we were talking this morning in the devotional at the men's house that, that Christ knew you before you were born. He numbered the hairs on your head. And we did agree as a group that it's an easier job for him to number some people, you know, because some of us have less than other. Coach is rubbing his head right now, you know, so... It's easier for God to say one, two, three, right, than like 16 million. Um, But all kidding aside, he knows us. He knows all about us. He is waiting patiently. Like sometimes it's like, come on, you're almost there. Like when you're teaching a little kid to walk, you know, like little Faith came into the grill the other day, and I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, and, and she's just getting tired and just clumping and, you know, and it's, come on, come on, you could do it. I picture God like, come on, 
Stop doing, don't do that, come on. Put that back on the shelf, right? Don't call that guy. Don't call that girl. Look the other way. You know what they say, the, look is, the first look is free. It's the next one that's going to cost, right? So it's like you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can certainly stop it from nesting in your hair, right? That's what it's about. It's about saying, okay, things happen, things come, but I know right from wrong. I know what I should and shouldn't do, and that's what I need to do because I want victory in my life. I want to be there for my kids. I want to be there for my grandkids. I want to be an example. You know, it makes me so sad when you see somebody that people look up to as a beacon in the community and they, you know, whether it's a coach or a teacher and you see them, you know, get arrested and the shame and the, and they're like just the angst and, you know, you know, and I know Michelle early on had a ton of fear, you know, starting the bridge, like, because we knew so many stories of husbands and wives that started recovery programs and then the husband ran off or the wife ran off or they both overdosed or, or they died or, you know, from just living in their sin. And, and I know for a lot of years that Michelle had a lot of fear around my sobriety and would I bring that shame upon our family? And all I could say is it's so much easier if you believe, if you have that healthy fear of God and you know somebody's watching you, right? I mean, I'm afraid of God, but I'm, 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 I'm pretty afraid of my wife, too. I am, right? And a lot of the bridge people will say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of Michelle, too. But that's good. In fact, the uncircumcised Gentile who keeps God's will condemn you Jews who are circumcised. So now the roles are, the roles are reversed. So we, you know, it's, it's the Gentiles. Like, they, like, I don't even have the law, but I'm following the rules. So what is your excuse? So my, my exhortation or question to you guys would be, if there are rules are things that you are not following, why not? What is it that is so attractive about something you're doing that you're willing to risk how many ever years of sobriety you have, willing to risk that, uh, risk that relationship, willing to lose your kids again or lose another car, another job, another stint in jail? I don't know. I like going to the jail and putting my ID at the counter and putting my little visitor badge on and spending two, three, four hours there. I like walking around talking to people and hanging out with people and praying with people and leading people to Jesus. But you know what? It feels better when I walk up to the counter and I grab that visitor badge and I throw it down and they give me my driver's license back. Because I remember the day when I didn't have that option. Right? I remember the walk of shame with the rubber mattress and the sheet and the orange shower shoes and the cup and the spork. And then where's my pillow? There's no pillows in jail. They don't even turn the lights off at night. Why would you want to go there? You know? It was like it was like it was like a wake-up call. But now I I get to I get to eat what I want. I have a refrigerator. I get to I get to watch TV. I get to hang out with people that I love. I, I get to do whatever I want. I don't have to call people collect trying to get bail. You know, the bail bondsmen don't know me by name or they don't see my number and say, oh, it's Mike again. 
all right? Because I choose not to live that life anymore because I know that God's law is written on my heart. I know what's right from wrong. I know what I should and shouldn't do. And I, and I love that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? Right? And that's what it's all about. It's about following God, doing what's right in God's eyes, doing what's right in your eyes, doing what's right for your family, doing what's right for your friends. Think of how many people are looking at you. Do you know what I mean? What a blessing it is when a doctor who treated you comes and makes tamales with you, right? And it's like, right? And most of the time they lose, you know? Somebody dies every five minutes in the United States right now of an overdose, every five minutes. So you can look at the clock and you can say, what time did I park here tonight? And you can easily count. And you can know that a whole bunch of people died while you were here eating and fellowshipping. And that's every day, seven days a week. At the end of the month, there's going to be, uh, it's called fentanyl awareness. It's, you know, it's, it's just trying to bring more light to how many people have died from fentanyl since its introduction, and it's, it's astronomic, it's staggering. So I want to keep doing what we're doing here. I want to get more people here. I want people to feel welcome here. I want people to say, what's going on over there? You know, call us a recovery church, great. That's a badge. That's a badge of honor, you know. When I, when I stood up on a Wednesday night, on a rainy Wednesday night, and basically said out loud that I'm a heroin addict, the gasps in that church. I mean, literal, audible. <gasps> that guy just said he's a drug. What's he, why is he here? I mean, I, that's how I felt. Like, well, what's he doing here then? Because Calvary was a different place then. Nobody admitted to having a drug problem. I was feeling horrible until Susie said, me too. I'm like, yeah. That's how I met Susie. She saw I was struggling. Man, everybody's looking at me. The whole place is staring at me. I'm soaking wet from the rain because I ran here. I ran out of gas at, at, at Jocelyn Canyon, and I ran in the pouring rain because I wanted to be here so bad because I wanted help. You know what I mean? And it's funny now because, and Nate, Pastor Nate will say this, and pretty much well, everybody on the, on the pastoral staff, this ministry and the bridge ministry have changed the entire face of Calvary. It's a completely different church. You know what I mean? It used to be kind of like, an, like a, like, kind of like belonging to the country club, you know? We don't need, you know, here come all these drug addicts smoking, you know, smoking in the parking lot and button, like, amen. Just, you know, I, please, I mean, you know, but please don't, you know, be courteous, but it was, it was so cool to see. I love watching the Tuesday Bible study that they have because I know a bunch of the ladies that come. And, you know, we got Miss Denise in there teaching the Bible study, and you got girls sneaking out in the middle of the Bible study and smoking cigarettes and putting them out in the dirt and going back in. I say amen. Amen. I'm not saying that that's what you should do, but I'm just saying I am so glad that people felt comfortable enough to come here, continue in some of their addiction while trying to get help rather than not feeling welcome and staying away, all right? Everybody's welcome here. Everybody is welcome here. 
right? It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't ma matter what you're doing. Jesus loves everybody, right? Let, let them come, whoever they are and whatever they're doing, and let their own conviction change them or convict them. It's not me to judge them. It's not me to make them feel bad about who they are, what they're doing, because I was the worst of the worst when I came into this church. I, I was coming here to rob it. That's true. I've said it enough times. You guys should believe me. You can ask my wife. I, I, was, I, I just came here so I could scope it out, so I could, actually so I could rob Pastor Steve because he seemed to me to be the easiest target, <laughs> right? I'm going to get that old man. But I could sit down and have breakfast with him, and we can laugh about that, right? Uh, you know, he's certainly glad I didn't crack him on the head. And I'm certainly glad I didn't crack him on the head. But, amen, Viola, love you, man. All the way up with Jesus. Amen. So... I have a rhetorical question for you guys, and I'm, 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 I, I believe in democracy, but I can override it. I, I do have a veto. I do have a veto of power because I'm up here, right? So, by, so if you want to hear Trans-Siberian Orchestra again, give me a big yes. yes. Oh, that was weak. Do we want to hear it again? All right, I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And you all better be on your feet. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for meeting us here tonight. Thank you for allowing us just a fellowship, to break bread, to have fun, to laugh, to have joy in our hearts, Lord. So we thank you for the worship team, for all the hard work. Thank you for Dorothy and the team of volunteers that put everything together tonight for Hannah and Jack and Irene, everybody that came in yesterday or last night and set up, and, and Dr. Grover and Dr. Close and, and Claudia and, uh, and Ashley for the wonderful tamales. All right? So, Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.